Hi, I am Byron Hazlett, and welcome to the ASD Experience Podcast. Throughout my entire life, I have high-functioning autism, and let's just say that I've been through a lot when it comes to being on the spectrum, from social issues to nonverbal communication to even sensory sensitivity. So now I think this is the perfect time to talk about my diagnosis, how I overcame my struggles, and how I became the person I am today. I am Byron Hazlett, and this is the ASD Experience. So, hi. I already introduced you to myself, but my name is Byron Hazlett. And you may be wondering why that I'm making this podcast. Well, I'm about to tell you right now because uh, I am making this podcast about my autism. Well, I'm basically going to be talking about my ASD the entire time and autism in general. We're going to be talking about all of that throughout the entire series. And I honestly can't wait to do this. Like, I'm so eager to do it, man. And as you guys know, this is called the ASD experience. And how I got this idea? Well, I actually did not come up with it. As a matter of fact, I would like to give a shout out to my grandma who who actually gave me this idea in the first place when we were talking about how I wanted to start a podcast later in life. Although I did want to start one for like entertainment, which is kind of broad. And my grandma's told me like, hey, you know, there's just a lot involved when it comes to doing that. And she brought up the fact that I should make one about my autism. And not only that, but I'm also doing this to make people more aware and to accept the way we are as autistic people. So without further ado, let's get started. Before we get started, I want to let you guys know that I do not have a guest with me today or in this episode. I mean, I tried to get a special guest on the first episode, like an autistic female. I asked one of them in my class and she told me no because she gets really nervous when she's being interviewed in a podcast, which honestly, I can understand why. I really do. And I also asked one of my friends who was going to be one of my guests in the next couple of episodes. But unfortunately, he told me that he's busy with his new job and such. But yeah, I just want to let you guys know that. So let's just move on and just say that, you know what? It's time. So I want to start off by talking about how I got diagnosed with autism. And that's basically a little complicated, but simple to talk about at the same time. So I was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I had a happy childhood like a lot of people did. And I had caregivers like my parents who really care about me, even most of my family members as well. And they always look after me. It's just just such a blessing. And I was feeling like a normal type of baby. I literally didn't have any signs of autism from that age. Probably not age one, but it was more common in ages two and three regarding the early signs. And by the time I got to age two, I did start to speak. And my first word was actually mama. And I know it because I remember reading my baby books when I was a little bit younger. Yet I still remember it to this day. And that was what literally happened. Although my Nana thought that my first word was duck. To be honest, I'm not sure if my Nana was just saying it up. Or if she only heard me saying that word when we would go to the park when I was little. And if I would remember correctly, I would have said a few more words. But after that, I stopped talking. Even though that I did want to speak, but unfortunately, my mind wouldn't let me. And not only that, but I used to show a lot of tics. Like I used to rock back and forth, run around and squeal like going yee And I would flap my hands stand on my tiptoes, even on my bare feet. And I would rub my hands constantly, even if it wasn't cold, even if I wasn't washing my hands. I mean, it is awkward to some people regarding those tics. 
And some of my relatives noticed that I would only look at the words on videos and not the pictures of them and read addresses, which I'll remember doing that. But regarding the fact that I would often read the words on like a VHS tape that we would buy at a thrift store, that was what my nana was telling me, but precisely I don't remember. So from that point on, my mom decided to take me to see a therapist, literally a special therapist. And I don't remember what I had to do when I saw my therapist, but if I would recall, and when I saw my therapist, I would only say like two to four words, basically, or most likely three to four words. And I literally did not speak at all. Although I didn't speak until I was like four or five. And I clearly remember, but I'll get to that later. She would try to make me speak with her and to try to communicate with her and to see what's up with me. And when we got done with the diagnosis, that was when we found out that I have this thing that you all know called autism. I mean, I get it. It is a very weird diagnosis where you not only think differently, but you also have this stuck on a behavior type of behavior face or something. I don't even know how to describe that. But it also affects your social and communication skills. And in some cases, behavior skills. But the most common skills that I struggled with were communication and also my social cues. And uh, because of my autism, my mom had to take me to see a lot more therapists and maybe to this Montessori therapy because I remember being in a few rooms where they had some like toys, not really toys specifically, but I think they had some sort of gymnastic mat and they had some like gymnastic related balls, like a blue ball that people would sit on. I was like, what in the world? I mean, I didn't say it verbally, it's just what it looked like. And to have this feeling of being in a hospital filled with a bunch of rooms that were basically therapy rooms. Like, honestly, I, I, I can't even believe it, to be honest. And there were even times when my teachers had to sometimes pull limits on me, not like putting limits on me specifically, but by training me physically and in ways to make me act like more of a normal person or just your average child. And believe it or not, I used to have trouble comprehending. And I remember very well back in preschool when my teachers had a potty train me and they had to count to 10 when I would use the bathroom and they would literally be inside the bathroom with me, which I find that a little disturbing now that I remember. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my God. I don't know. Just those memories keep flowing me every time I talk about it, but not in a way to make me feel bad because it feels like that I actually needed a lot of help in life like mental help, physical help, verbal help. And my mom knew that I needed a lot of help. And after I got diagnosed, my parents had to teach my family and maybe their friends, but mostly my relatives about autism because most of them never knew what autism was. Hell, even my mom had to explain to my grandpa about the diagnosis because my late grandfather, which he passed away a few years ago, may he rest in peace, he never knew or understood what autism was. In fact, here's the thing that you gotta understand. This was the 2000s, and it was around the time when people were not as aware of the diagnosis as they are now. And I assume that most of them did not accept the way we were, although some of them did from my point of view, but that's what it was, unfortunately. And here's the thing. When I was getting diagnosed with autism, my dad was in Iraq, and I'm sure he found out when he got back. Like, I was three and a half years old when I got diagnosed. And what really happened negatively was that our health insurance was denied. My health insurance was denied because of my autism, in which around the time, people never knew what it was and think it was something that no one could do because the world thought that people with special needs did not need any health insurance, which I think it was BS. And my mom had the exact same experience 
with her health insurance being denied because of her anxiety disorder. So we were kind of screwed for the rest of the decade. And since I was a little boy at the time, I never knew or understood what was going on from then. I mean, right until recently when my mom had to explain what occurred, which kind of gets me a little emotional to think about it, and mostly anything related to special accommodations would not occur to me as much until later in life. Not like very later in my life, like today. I'm talking about later in childhood. And this was all the way from kindergarten until I exited the fifth grade. And mostly when I was in elementary school, I had to be in two separate classes from time to time, from the beginning until the end. Like there was one class that I had to be in, which was a special education class that I needed to be in. And there were other kids that were not on the same spectrum and that did not have autism like me. Like there was one girl who was very low function and would only scream and just say quack quack because she loved ducks. And there was even one girl who, who had Down syndrome and had a little bit of trouble speaking. And there was also another girl who had Tourette's or probably some sort of like other disability, which we cannot remember what it was. And I mean, mostly others probably had autism and some sort of like speech problems and such mostly. And there was also your average regular class that I was in. And almost everybody in that class did not have autism. And I knew that because they would function better. Sure, I could function as well as them, but in reality, I wish I could have been in that class because if I were more verbal and if I knew my social cues well, I wish I could have learned my social cues from those people, which I'll be honest, I did, but not as much as I needed. And by the way, those times in elementary school were completely fine. And speaking of elementary school, when I had to take a bus, I had to take a special needs bus with a bus aid in it. And whenever we would get off or get on the bus, our teachers had to come pick us up at the beginning of class. And at the end of the class, they had to drop us off to the bus. In fact, we were not allowed to enter the schools by ourselves or to any classes, which I thought it was kind of awkward because I saw most of the kids that entered the school by themselves and into the classes. And honestly, I wish I could have had that experience rather than being picked up and dropped off by my special needs teachers. Well, unfortunately, that's the way it was. Even though I knew that I could have gone in there by myself, because there were a few times when I would walk in and out of classes. And as a matter of fact, I actually got in trouble a couple of times for doing that. <laughs> But yeah, I was young, and I was treated a little differently than I should have been treated. But at the end of the day, it's whatever. As I was talking about my autism tendencies, I had a lot of high tendencies of autism. Because like nowadays, I have very low tendencies, but I will explain more about it in the next few episodes. But I will say something. I did something that made me look very smart in my own way. In fact, I had done this once or twice, but I remember very well when I was in daycare, there was this table where we could put toys on, and we had a bunch of... JJ the jet plane toys. And what I did was that I would line every plane up from Oscar to Big Jake. Cause I saw this one episode where they would get in line and dance while they're flying. And I did this because for some reason I wanted to make the toys that we had look like that they were lining up as if they were learning some sort of choreography. And I may have done some like early choreography for my toys. And I thought that was like, it was interesting, honestly. So I basically did something that made me smart in my own way. And there were other kids that were basically messing with those as well. And I mean, yeah, <laughs> those were good times. I will say that once again, uh, good times. So from that point of view, when kids do that, they're just being smart in their own ways. In fact, I'll tell you the truth right now. People with autism, regardless of their function levels, they are very smart in their own ways. They're not stupid. They're not dumb. They're not dimwitted. They're just different, you know? 
I mean, anybody can be smart in their own ways. I mean, sure, there are some things that they don't know. In fact, we don't know everything and we don't understand everything. And that's okay. But it's unusually cool to see people with autism doing those interesting things like this by teaching themselves how to build their knowledge by being logic. And let me say this again, I used to be like that as well. So that is very interesting. And like regarding the special needs type of things that we would go through, I do have a few stories that I would like to talk about from that. And there were even special needs related events that we would attend even as I got older. Cause I remember when we went to this autism facility somewhere in Milford, I don't remember the name of that place, but I remember going in there. I think it was some sort of Montessori, not really a school, but like it was some sort of facility where we had rooms that were white and there were like even toys and there was a TV there. And when we went outside, there were some offerings of activities that kids could do. And I remember specifically that I wanted to get face painted, which I did. Although I still have photos from that time on Facebook when I got face painted. And the face paint that I had was actually just your average son. Like a regular star, as you know. Honestly, I thought that was kind of cute. Though I don't remember why we went there for something, which had to do something with the events that we would attend because my autism. Because I also remember when we would attend events, like going to the movies with those autism related events or groups. We saw Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, and even a special DVD showing of Elf, which that took place in an AMC theater that we used to go to in Newport. And I thought that was kind of cool. Seeing the movie that was basically six years old by the time I got to see it again. Because I did see Elf before, and I don't know what to say, but it was just generally amazing. And speaking of amazing, what I remember fondly is that we would often go to Coney Island for this event called the Autism Walk. And my parents would take me and my brother there, and we would participate in that walk, which I thought it was just incredible. It really was. And I mean, I don't know. I assume that the event is still going on every year, but when we attended those Autism Walk events, we only went there for a couple of years but most likely not in a row. And one more thing, you know how I was talking about how I wasn't speaking for a couple years until I was like four or five? Well, for some reason, my mom still thinks that I didn't speak until I was like seven. Well, I did, but not in a way to communicate in a conversation like I am right now. Cause I remember very fondly, I had to have a dental surgery when I was like five. And before the surgery, my dad had to show me cards of pictures with words in them to make me say them. And he would flip them out one by one to get me trained to speak. Which, by the way, I said every word that was shown on the card. Which, to be honest, it showed that I started to speak again. And I'm basically surprised to remember that because from that point on, that was just one of the most coolest things that ever happened to me in life. You know, it's just, it's just amazing. I mean, everything about it was just amazing to see. I mean, not really amazing, even though I didn't want to speak, but, but yet I didn't. Until then, and even maybe a little bit before, it's just, <laughs> wow. I mean, it was something, honestly. So I did get to speak a bit more, and I still am today. Well, that's how I got diagnosed. I hope you all understand, because from my perspective and from my point of view, the beginning went from feeling like a normal child to a now-known special needs kid who's starting to feel weird with a lot of un unusual stuff going on. <laughs> And I don't know what to say, but I do have this advice for parents that have children that do the same things, like showing off tics and being sensitive to sensory. If your child does those same things as I did, I know a lot of parents do this, but I highly recommend getting them diagnosed to see what's going on with them. 
And if they get diagnosed with autism, just help them out in life. Don't make it too weird for them. And if they get diagnosed with high-functioning autism, just don't treat them like low or mid-functioning. Just learn about the different things they do because they're smart in their own way. And I know my cousin Allie, who had already got her son diagnosed with autism, even though he never stopped speaking his whole life, and also one of my friends' sister's nephews also got diagnosed with, with autism because of his nonverbal speech and all that, but yeah. So yeah, that's basically it for the first episode of the ASD experience. I hope you guys enjoyed. Stay tuned as I speak with my Aunt Tabby as our special guest as we talk about how people view autistic people being on the spectrum and how to recognize the signs. So I can't wait to meet with her and to talk about it. It's going to be better and it's going to be a good one. So, all right, well, I think it's time to sign off. So goodbye. Thank you for listening to the ASD Experience Podcast. More episodes of the series will be coming your way. Till then, this is me, Byron Hazlett, signing off.